Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in, everyone, to the early line. We're live right here on Sports Grid on a Friday morning with a lot to get to. I am Kevin Walsh, joined, of course, by Donnie Wrightside. DRS, how are you feeling on this Friday morning? I'm ready to go. Ready to go for a nice ice-cold weekend. Well, maybe outside, but not in the room, K-Dub. We're looking to catch in some <laughs> tickets. Let's go. No doubt about it. We begin, of course, with Thursday night football. And I, a man, simply of integrity have to tip my cap to old Donnie Wrightside, who had said that the Green Bay Packers might as well not even show up. It appears they took his advice as they did not show up and lose by double digits at Lambeau Field, and not for the first time this season. 27-17, the Tennessee Titans beat the Green Bay Packers as a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. DRS, you were all over it. And you know me, I like to stay up late, watch all these games all the way through. And for the first time in a long time, after the first drive from the Tennessee Titans, I shut off and went to bed. And that's rarity for me. I didn't have to watch anymore at this point. Caught up in the morning, watched the remainder of the game here, you know, on a little bit of a playback. It was pure domination all night long. But I got to tell you, like sometimes, like I would, should crow like the next seven minutes. What a great pick. What a great pick. But I saw it a little bit differently here for the Tennessee Titans, where I thought they would just pound the rock here and just, you know, slow the clock down. Ryan Tannehill threw for 333 yards on Thursday night football, two touchdowns, one interceptions, as if they almost flipped the script on the Green Bay Packers. And how about Traylon Burks? Seven catches for 111. The kid finally shows up this year. When we were talking about yesterday, how does it go wrong if you take Lazard and Watson to lead the game here in yardage? Kudos to the Tennessee Titans, who did go on the road on a Thursday night, which regardless of who you play, Kevin, is tough to do. They were the better team. Vrabel is a sensational coach as well. He he absolutely is. But the problem for me with this Green Bay team is Tennessee is a fast starter. They've been doing that now uh, in order to build up their what is now a 7-3 and three record, but entering this game, a 6-3 and three record. Heck, even with Malik Willis, they would jump out to leads. How that halftime lead, of course, over the Kansas City Chiefs, still with Malik Willis under center. But the Packers battling back, there was a couple of moments where you saw, okay, that's going to be the case. Not just in the first quarter where they grabbed themselves a touchdown uh, on a contested catch by Christian Watson, but even in the final moments of the third quarter, making this game 20-17. to But instead, they were thrown on by Ryan Tannehill all game long. 
One of the worst passing offenses in all of football gets completely after it for four quarters in your building. It's unacceptable. But none of that takes the heat off of Aaron Rodgers. He's talking post-game. Ah, just a couple wobbled on me. There was some wind. I didn't have a good night. Well, you picked a, ba- you picked a bad night to have a bad night, my friend. Because the thing is, just a couple of days ago, you and I were discussing the remainder of the Green Bay schedule. And you talked about three auto losses, four auto losses. This is the only loss that mattered. They are now four and seven. And next week, they go to Philadelphia on a Sunday night. They will be a touchdown plus underdog. I know the last time the Eagles played in that building, they lost as a touchdown plus favorite. I got you. But this was a must win for the Green Bay Packers, not just for the record and for competing with the rest of this conference, but for actual momentum, for belief in the room. I can't imagine there's any more belief left in the room in Green Bay as our radio audience joins us on a Friday morning, the early line on Sirius XM channel 159. DRS, again, I could hardly care less what, you know, December is going to hold for Green Bay. Jordan Love might be under center when we're talking Packer football come December. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers was right when he got to the podium. He's like, hey, season's not over. Yeah, it's not. You'll play six more games and you go home, and you probably rightfully so should demand a trade and not sure if you're the actual reason behind that trade. Now, granted, they did take away your best weapon. I understand that. The young wide receivers have struggled all season long. But if you take a look at this game yesterday, Kevin, in your own building, and maybe you got a little bit of momentum the previous week from beating the Dallas Cowboys, which, quite frankly, if that game was supposed to go the way it was going to finish, you got waxed, talking about Green Bay, by double digits. But they came back and won. Credit to them on that. So then they turn around here with Aaron Rodgers, get 15 first downs total in this game, 271 yards. And the Titans on the opposite side, banged up all across the board. Centers getting their first starts in the NFL. They go for a head for 408 yards in their own building. And the score could have been worse because even in the first half when the Titans were driving, you know, bowed up Green Bay in the red zone, stopped Derrick Henry on a fourth down run. Didn't matter. They got the football mm-hmm. back and then still ended up punching it anyway. So it didn't matter. 27-17 final it was a double-digit win, but it was a more decisive win for me for the Titans. And again, I preface this by saying sometimes I don't know how the Titans win. Last night, Kevin, they actually showed up. If that's a blueprint for the way they're going to play and get healthy the remainder of the way, they're going to be a tough out as always. But Vrabel always has this team going. And you're right. I usually preface this by saying home team or no team. But I just don't trust the Green Bay Packers anymore. This team is a shell of its former self, and rightfully so. They're headed, and they will have double-digit losses on the season when it's all said and done. Which will be more than LaFleur, I believe, had or tie uh, the amount that he had in the first three years of his coaching career combined. At some point, I think we could talk what the future will hold for Rodgers. There's running it back, retirement, or perhaps heading elsewhere. Quickly on Vrabel, we talked about him yesterday. Coach of the year race, 100-1, to 50-1 this morning. History does mm. work against him, though. Last coach to go back-to-back. Joe Gibbs in the 80s. But if anybody has a case, it certainly would be Mike Vrabel with some impressive results here through 10 games in Tennessee. Lots to break down. Keep it here. See early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back to right here on Sports Grid Thursday Night Football. Behind us, though, there's a lot more that we certainly could get into, perhaps wrap around sometime next week. But we want to start getting you set up for the weekend. The big story that we were following, uh, fortunately, we've been given an answer to sooner than I honestly had thought, which is what they were going to do with the Buffalo Bills-Cleveland Browns game. The answer is move it to Detroit. And this has caused as big of a shift as you will see in a line. A total at around 41 and a half pops back up at 49 and a half. Completely changed expectations now going from, though I know Ani kind of disagreed about how impactful it would be, but the idea of playing in six feet of snow, which obviously was not going to be six feet of snow, but nevertheless, going to a dome where everything is going to be fine. If I can, let me start, I guess, with the decision, the line move, this this entire process here, and what you make of now Buffalo being an eight and a half point favorite with a total at 49 and a half. Yeah, from a few angles here. Number one, the NFL had to do this year. And I know the people out here, oh, man, let them do this. Let them play. And, you know, you see people around Twitter. Oh, it's not fair to the Buffalo fans. They would have loved to go into the game. Trust me on this. If you don't think it's a headache now where you say, well, wow, the Buffalo Bills are willing to risk, what, tens of millions of dollars in gate losses, beer sales, and parking sales that this game goes to a neutral site in Detroit. Think of the back story on this that would be like, I can't believe they let these guys go to the game. There were six feet of snow. It was hard to get around. Streets were a mess. Police, you know, ambulances, they couldn't get around. And three people died in a car wreck just trying to get to the game. The NFL doesn't need that. That's massive headlines going in the wrong direction and makes you look terrible. The easiest thing to do is to take this out of Buffalo and move it to another city so you don't have to have those worries for the home team. Now, second angle here. This is tough for the Buffalo Bills. As you know, in the NFL, it's really hard to win on the road, and you're getting a quality opponent. Not to say we're looking at the Cleveland Browns as if they're not one of the better teams in the NFL, but anytime you have a home game in front of your fans, you're supposed to beat the brakes off a team like Cleveland. Now you take it out into that atmosphere like where we're talking about the 2020 COVID season where it was like, hey, man, it's only a couple thousand people in the arena, or at least it's not a true home field advantage for either one of these teams. It's kind of a tough move here for the Buffalo Bills. Do I think it affects them and they lose the game? Not necessarily, but if you're the Bills, boy, you would have liked to have been there 25 degrees, no snow in the forecast, at home in front of the Bills Mafia and taking care of your business. So from a competitive standpoint, the Browns have to like this. The Bills, not so much. You know, 
The and by the way, just to give people this update as well, the FanDuel Sportsbook per house rules. This is a rare situation, so nobody can blame you if you didn't know. But uh, all of the bets placed prior to this decision voided. While that is unfortunate for those that jumped on the total over the number, I actually would imagine more bets were on the under in this yes. case. So I would like to believe that the majority of bettors are happy about this news. I, I think what's really interesting now is of kind of figuring out this environment here. How many people, you know, from Buffalo make this trip? You, you factor in kind of real-life situations, Donnie, right? The, like, Thanksgiving's around the corner, right? So unless you and the whole family are going to spend Thanksgiving in Detroit, going there on Sunday and getting back with all, all of that, I'm not sure how that exactly is going to play out here. I, from the side perspective, do you approach that then as as normal business? Is there a ding on on Buffalo for the fact that their home fan base will obviously be not out in full throat the way they typically are? Yeah, there is. There is. Like the Buffalo Bills, as I said, would rather be home and is sleeping in their own beds and playing this football game in front yeah. of their own crowd. That's the advantage. You don't have to travel. Now, both of these teams technically have to travel for a game there. And if you're the Cleveland Browns or even any player on the Browns, like, man, this thing I want to do is go to Buffalo and play in 20-degree weather. Now you're going into a dome. There's no issues whatsoever. You can wear your short sleeve shirts. You can be comfortable in there. And, oh, yeah, it's not going to be 70,000 Buffalo Bills fans screaming in your ear for this game. So from a Cleveland perspective, they got to be pretty excited. But also, if you are a totals better, you were actually looking at that game going, oh, man, there's a lot of, you know, is it going to snow? Is it not going to snow? What's the wind going to be like? It's going to be cold. Is that going to affect, you know, Josh Allen throwing the football with his elbow? You look at these two offenses here, and even though the FanDuel Sportsbook, you know, the original line was 44 and a half. They moved it down to 42, 41 and a half, as you were stating, but obviously the change of venue. Now we're bumping up close to 50, and I agree with it. I don't see this as, well, these two teams now got to play on the road, so it's going to be tougher. I go back to my COVID days and go, Mace is great. So home team doesn't have to deal with the crowd. Away team doesn't have to deal with the crowd. I have no weather concerns here. I want a fast track and a dome. It sounds mm -hmm. like we're going to get some points this weekend. And I think for me, that's what makes this now all of a sudden prop city, this game. Yeah. Right. Josh Allen is going to be probably over under two and a half touchdowns at a plus price. All right. Well, then let's figure out that Stefan Diggs anytime touchdown score price. That's going to be kind of, you know, the, that's one of the first numbers that I, I want to see kind of when everything gets, you know, started here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Let me flip in one more question, though, with Buffalo. Because it's being overlooked probably a bit. Lost two games in a row. They've not looked great. Josh Allen has thrown two interceptions in three consecutive games. I really do believe he is completely out of the MVP race. The Bills, are, unless they run the table, okay, the Bills are set up to underachieve this season. They looked like they had wrapped up the one seed the second that they had beat Kansas City. It didn't mean that they were going to win out. But having then lost two in a row, with one of those being a double-digit favorite against the Jets and then another being in your own building, is a really tough way to go about it. And it's pretty incredible that two weeks in a row, the two Buffalo Bills games featured about as insane of line movement as you'll watch. This week, all weather-based. Last week, we were playing a song and dance about was it Case Keenum or Josh Allen. We know it's Josh Allen, but I don't know if we have the clearest read on how healthy Josh Allen is, I mean, last week in terms of the amount of 
volume that he had for this football team against the Minnesota Vikings suggests he's fine. Threw it 43 times, ran another six. It's, you know, 50 Josh Allen touches. But where are you at on Josh Allen entering this game against Cleveland? Yeah, from what I saw everything in the previous game, I don't think there's really much to worry about other than, Kevin, like, right, first quarter, lets one rip about 50 yards down the field, stumbles off the field holding his elbow. Outside of that, I don't think there's really any issues to be had here. And also, maybe you're looking at some other props. Stephon Diggs, as you said, he's going to be fine this week. But Singletary, you saw him getting a lot of carries inside the red zone, which you figured if it was a bad weather game, maybe that's the sort of angle you would play up. Like, hey, Singletary might get 20 touches in this game. He'll be the goal line back again. Cash me in on a few of those. I th still think Singletary is a wonderful bet coming in against this Cleveland team now in a dome. Because if we're looking at 50 points here, as you said, Josh Allen is going to get his. And you sort of play that that numbers game figuring that Cleveland defense is going to allow the Buffalo Bills into the red zone multiple times. So one of those guys is going to get a touchdown, whether it's Diggs, Singletary, Knox, or even Davis on the outside. But from my perspective here, I'm not handicapping this game, Kevin, going, you know what? I'm going to stay away because Josh Allen, I just don't know about. I think he's fine. And now again, he's not, hey, he's got to play in the freezing cold weather in 30 degree, you know, excuse me, 20 degree weather with 30 mile an hour winds. Not the case here. In a dome, all systems go, Josh Allen. One interesting note, you mentioned Devin Singletary. The Bills were very active on the phones at the trade deadline, looking to make big swings at the running back position. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. They ended up getting going with Naheem Hines. Now, obviously, nobody has any illusions that Hines is on the level of the two names I just mentioned. You thought that Naheem Hines would be used? His first go-around on a single rush? Targeted just once. All right, that was the first game. Last week against Minnesota, still not a rush. Targeted, again, just once. This time he caught it for nine yards. At any point, is Naheem Hines going to actually be used by this team? Did they make a deal to prove that they were trying to make a deal? Was Naheem Hines supposed to be the boost in the room to tell Buffalo that, hey, this is our season? Or how about this one? Old Troy style. Did Naheem Hines ruin the Buffalo Bills? Did he come in, throw off the vibe? Is he the entire reason that everything is falling apart in Buffalo? None of that's true. It's just going to be interesting to see if at any point he starts to take any, any legitimate work here for this Buffalo backfield. There's a lot more for us to break down. It's an eye on the NFC. You're watching and listening to the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Vikings-Cowboys, how about it? What a good game this should be. You have an 8-1 Minnesota team that is not getting a lot of respect here. On this line, a point and a half home underdog against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, of course, coming off of their loss in overtime against the Green Bay Packers. The Minnesota Vikings are in a this is a rare spot. You do not see a lot of home dogs that are rocking up with the you know 80% win percentage like you are getting here with the Minnesota Vikings. As we always say. It's for a reason, but you're allowed to disagree with that reason as well. Talk to me, Donnie. Vikings, Cowboys, what are you seeing here? Yeah, there's two really sharp lines this week where the odds makers are saying, we're going to trust our numbers here and we're going to go against the public, which would be the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. It's not saying here, Kevin, or at least I'm not trying to preface this by going, I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are a very good football team. Why are they favored? It's just very interesting as you're putting it as well. The Dallas Cowboys have a few losses. Minnesota has one. It was to the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. They just went in and took care of the Buffalo Bills. Meanwhile, you saw the game last night with the Green Bay Packers. Losers of what? Six of seven games, whatever it's been here. And the previous week, the Dallas Cowboys did lose to them. So I remember early in the week when we were doing the shows, which, you know, I like the surprise element. You know, back in the day, I'm probably, the minute games are done, previewing the lines. But sometimes on that Monday morning, you're sort of letting it settle in here as you get to it for content. And you're like, hey, by the way, you know, this team's favored the Dallas Cowboys over Minnesota. And I literally had to go to the game and look at a couple different books here to make sure that that was the case. Because I was waiting to jump. Ah, look at Kev. Wrong again on the line here. Clearly, the Minnesota Vikings are a favorite here. And they're not. And they haven't been all week long. So what gives? The Dallas Cowboys aren't hosting the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin. This game is in Minnesota. And I don't know if the odds makers know more about Justin Jefferson's toe than we're maybe leading on at this point. But I have no idea, to be honest with you, straight up, just looking as a fan and a handicapper, why the Dallas Cowboys are favored in this game. I can't figure it out. You know, the interesting thing is it, the location is where it becomes a bit difficult. We, we talk often... How much is home field advantage, you know, worth to a point spread? Again, on on a low end, on a low end, call it two points, right? That means that they would see the Cowboys as a field goal and a half better than Minnesota on a neutral field, right? You're starting to flirt with them being a six-point favorite in Dallas. And this is why when we were in Buffalo last week, before all of the insanity with Josh Allen. Remember, that line was nine and a half. And I look, all year long, the Bills have laid some of the most outrageous numbers you will see. But it spoke volumes to Minnesota. It is why when people ask this you know, rhetorical question of, are you going to give Minnesota their respect now? I go, no. No, I'm not. Because the Minnesota Vikings, despite their 8-1 and one record, have not blown me away. They've not routed teams. They've found a way. Every game they win is by one possession. And I know that that is, for some, very impressive, but that's not a way to make a living. Not with a quarterback that, let's be honest here, pretty universally, 
we all agree, we don't trust in Kirk Cousins. And if you look at Minnesota this year, despite an 8-1 and one record, Donnie, they have not, back-to-back weeks, covered a number. Once back-to-back games, but there was a bye week in between, so excuse me if I remove that for my nice little trend here that I'm working on, of not trusting Minnesota for consecutive covers. We haven't really seen it. The other thing we've not really seen is Kirk step up in the biggest of games. Now, there is, I have to admit, some hilarity in the idea that because this starts at 425, it's a bigger game than last week in Buffalo starting at 1 p.m. But let's be honest, based on Kirk's career and the cover percentages, this starting at 425 matters. Look, you can hand wave it all you want, but he has failed to cover in 60% of his games that start at 4 o'clock or later. It's just not a spot to trust Cousins. And that last point there that you made, I do think could very well be the most important one. If I told you Justin Jefferson doesn't play in this game, Mm. I think even Don would go, yeah, make this about Dallas minus five because of how important (laughs) Justin Jefferson feels to this football team. So a hampered Justin Jefferson could very well be how we get to this light Dallas line as a favorite. Yeah, by the way, Minnesota also not home in a few weeks. So this crowd is going to be ultra fired up for this game, which, again, home field advantage sure. does matter. And you have a dome. That place is going to be extremely loud. Now, it's not as if the Dallas Cowboys aren't used to playing in a dome. They're just not going to be the home team here. But also, I do agree with this one point here. If you're lining it up, and, and we always preface this by saying, odds makers don't just pick out of a hat and say, this sounds good, let's just run with it here. There's a reason why they are the favorite, and maybe so here. If you're looking at the two games that the Minnesota Vikings have played in the last month against what I like to call high-octane offenses, the Buffalo Bills and also the Miami Dolphins, look at their defensive numbers, Kevin. 73 yards on the ground, which isn't bad. 385 in the air to the Miami Dolphins. Last week, when we were worried about Josh Allen and maybe some cold weather conditions, a buck 75 on the ground. 311 in the air as if it's some college football team getting run over by Alabama or Georgia. So when you're talking about getting stops here, the Dallas offense should be able to move the football. Now, I do think Minnesota's offense will move it as well if Justin Jefferson is healthy along with the rest of that crew. But that's probably the reason why the odds makers are focusing in going, well, we don't trust the Minnesota Vikings defense all that much. Let's see what Dallas brings to the table. So if you're looking to bet this football game from my perspective, I'm not looking to take the Dallas Cowboys as a slight favorite, but I might be dipping in the waters of, well, let's take a look at a team total here because the one thing I do know for sure is both of these offenses are talented and maybe Dallas has a slight advantage going against that Minnesota defense. Well, the the other thing is, I mean, you you leave out the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts threw for 333 yards and was flirting with a 300-yard passing game in the first half of that game. And by the way, as far as the best teams that Minnesota has played this season, see, again, everyone does. The Eagles have played nobody other than those fraud Vikings while simultaneously wanting us to give Minnesota all of this credit. Well, the Vikings' two biggest games, no doubt about it, the Birds and the Bills, they lost to the Eagles by 17 and were losing by 17 to Buffalo late in that third quarter. Dalvin Cook pops an 81-yard touchdown, changes the game. And look, they won. I got you. I get all that. But as we've talked about, about 7 million things had to go wrong for Minnesota in order for them to cross that finish To a concussion game too, line. right? Down in Miami for them? So oh, yeah. They played Teddy Bridgewater. There. Yeah. 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 Or at least for a little Bridgewater bit in that game. Miami. Tua came back in. Yeah, Tua came back in the game. He but played none of that game. I don't think he was all there. No? 
Is that the game he's? No, that wasn't Tua the game played, that he. Uh, Tua played. Oh my bad. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, you're no. right. Tua played none of that game. Tua got the the wobble, the wobble, the wobble in yeah, Buffalo, what game was and then that? played half of Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that was Skylar Thompson plus Teddy Bridgewater out there uh, going up against the Minnesota Vikings. So, I mean, it, it goes to show kind of the way uh, everything was set up there. Uh, quickly, I do want to mention the birds, the Eagles this week in Indianapolis. Uh, this line is one I know that you've been tracking uh, all week long, and, and it's been on the move pretty significantly, though back now at a seven for a while underneath this touchdown spread. Total here is 45 and a half Eagles on a short week not the shortest but did play on a Monday night now with some travel here as well off of their first loss of the season what are you expecting here from Indy and Philly this is a great game because two worlds are colliding here number one with the Philadelphia Eagles getting their first loss and having a bit of that bad taste showing up no victory Tuesday here victory Mondays in the building they're really saying hey this can't happen again all signs point inside the Philadelphia Eagles organization that everybody's on the same page hey look we're not gonna be undefeated all right that's fine we got some mistakes to correct let's get after it against the Colts now just a few short weeks ago Kevin you were probably looking at this game from a Philadelphia Eagles perspective going what are you going to hang, 17 and a half in this game? Or at least 14 like you were talking about with the Texans? Because that's how bad the Indianapolis Colts were playing. Jeff Saturday comes in, maybe a little rejuvenation. They went on the road against a horrendous Vegas Raiders team. But also you get some guys back healthy and at least a veteran at quarterback. And you're trying to fight your way. Now the game plan last week for the Washington Commanders was let's slow this game down. Let's run for three, four yards a carry. Let's put ourselves ahead of the sticks. And let's see if we can get a couple breaks go our way. It worked out. They won the football game. No, I don't think Indianapolis is saying, let's pop the tape in for the commander's game and run it exactly the same thing. That's not going to work. But you're actually getting a good vibe building in there for Indy coming in this game as opposed to, oh, man, I'm checking my watch now. It looks like we still have a couple games to go. I can't wait for this season to be over. So it makes it a little bit tougher. But to be honest with you, same thing with the Green Bay Packers last night. Hey, Packers won a game. Whoa, look at this. Maybe they get hot. They go on a run. They're not going on a run. The Packers stink. They really do. And they showed that last night. So we're led to believe that the Indianapolis Colts, even before this win against Vegas, even before Sam Ellinger took over as quarterback, my rhymes was terrible. This team was a disaster anyway. They were slow in the pocket. They couldn't move the football. Now I'm led to believe Jeff Saturday comes in. You beat one of the worst teams in the NFL, and I'm supposed to be worried here. I think you get a focused Philadelphia Eagles team this weekend, even though they're down Dallas Goddard, which is a big part of that offense. I think they dominate this football game. I really do. Yeah, the, the, the tough spot, though, is Jalen Hurts has not been great covering numbers on the road in his career. When this was when this was starting to get underneath the touchdowns, like, man, let's see how low this can get. Uh, but you you now have seen the buyback that pushes this back to a seven. To give you an insight, though, to Matt Ryan, the Matt Ryan struggles, and this is why Donnie and I laughed at every single person that started picking the Colts to be the number one seed in the AFC when Matt Ryan showed up. Is Matt Ryan is not just bad this year. Matt Ryan has been bad. Matt Ryan has covered just two of his last 10 games against teams above 500. If you are under the impression that that's been every game in Indianapolis, you are wrong. That includes plenty of games in Atlanta where he was an absolute nightmare. But laying seven on a road could be tough. You tease the birds down to one, ask them just to win the football game. I do think it makes a ton of sense. There's a lot more for us to break down. We keep this train rolling here on a Friday morning on the early line on SportsGrid. We'll be right back after the break. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live with you on a Friday morning. Chiefs Chargers will be live with you on a Sunday night. Should be a fun one here. They usually are. But as always, it feels like we have to start a Chargers game with Chargers injuries. Practice this week for the wide receiver room that has had a nightmare season. Not just, of course, for Mike Williams, but Keenan Allen's been out there running around as well. It would be pretty appropriate if Keenan Allen, who uh, was injured uh, and tried to convince people that he would play on a Thursday night against Kansas City, uh, could maybe spin zone and say, I didn't mean the first Kansas City game. I always knew I'd be back for the November 20th Kansas City game. It's just it's still incredible how that's all played out. But that, to me, you know, as you and I sit here on this Friday morning, How do you want me to have much conviction until I know whether or not basically one of the best one-two combinations at the wide receiver position is back or not? Because without the both of them, the Chargers have looked a complete mess on the offensive side of the ball, wildly unimpressive. If they're both back, I could see this line getting as short as perhaps just a field goal here at home for the Chargers. Yeah, and we're not even looking at the opposite team here in the Kansas City Chiefs that might roll in without Juju Smith-Schuster and obviously McCole Hardman, who went to the IR. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of those games which, boy, this might have been a shootout if we're taking a look at when the schedule opened up. Maybe not so much anymore. But one of the football teams that I do feel like, and sometimes you can play it into, and you saw Aaron Rodgers win games with no wideouts last year at Arizona. It's almost like you say, I try. Is Kelsey out there? Yeah. Is Mahomes healthy? Yeah. That's like 30 points in the tank right there. Let's see what we can do. But it's going to be a lot harder for the Chiefs to have those explosive plays, and maybe you're more relying on a Isaiah Pacheco at this point, or maybe including your run game just a little bit more. But it's really hard, Kevin, outside of saying, I just want to bet an anytime touchdown for Austin Eckler in this game because he's the only guy who probably will get in the end zone and might be so. 
How do you take the Chargers here? Now, the reason why that line is dipping a little bit lower is we always thought the Chargers are going to be without their top skill position guys at the wide receiver position. But now we're just unsure of who's actually going to make the starting game for the Kansas City Chiefs. But it still doesn't have me rosy going. Let's just say Juju Smith-Schuster is down and Nicole Hardman also is down as well. I'm still not looking in the opposite direction. It's still Kansas City Chiefs or nobody. But I have to be honest, this is one of those games where there's so many question marks on the offensive end. I probably just would end up leaving it alone. It's it's a difficult one again because I don't worry as much to be honest as Juju and Nicole Hardman. Not to undersell their value, they've been great. But one, it's Mahomes. Two, Kelsey's still the main guy. And three, mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony looks like he'll probably you know come on for this team in the way that we thought as soon as that trade was announced, and basically he started tweeting, I was never injured, I have no idea why I haven't been playing football, but excited to get out there, and we saw him into the end zone last week. But for the Chargers, it's even if just one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams are playing, it feels like a big boost. Though, you know, and we'll see, uh, you know, check myself and Mike Blewett out on Pro Football today. Uh, on Sunday, we'll get try, try and get some insight from Doc on you know, how healthy those two will be. Can you trust them to play a full game? You know, can you trust their props in the game? It feels like a spot, right, where you go, all right, Justin Herbert's thrown for 300 yards. We know that. I don't know. I don't know that. It's just, it's been a lot of check downs. It's why Austin Eckler's catching seven passes a game. The, the entire thing has been off. I will say, if you look right now, you know, the AFC West was supposed to be this absolute battle. And obviously, two of the great underachievers of the season are the Denver Broncos and the Vegas Raiders. With a win here, the Chiefs would complete a season sweep of the Chargers and have a three-game lead on the Chargers. So call it a four-game lead then due to that head-to-head tiebreaker, a.k.a. Not that it kind of already isn't, but this would definitively wrap the AFC West up in my mind for the Kansas City Chiefs. Something to keep in mind as we project out the rest of this season. Let's stick with some other teams getting involved here off of a bye that are viewed as kind of that next group of AFC contenders. The Pittsburgh Steelers go up against the Cincinnati Bengals who fit that description. This is a rematch from week number one. And unfortunately for Cincinnati, considering that TJ Watt has been available for all of three weeks, the fact that the Bengals will have played him twice is not the best bit of luck. And they're still very likely to be without Jamar Chase here for this game. It's a line that shows some respect, I think, to Pittsburgh. I know they're home catching three and a half, but the Steelers have not looked amazing. Again, I think T.J. Watt factors in. I also think Tomlin's ability to handle his business as a home dog probably keeps this line a bit suppressed as well. What do you see here with this AFC North matchup? Yeah, the Pittsburgh offense certainly isn't lighting up the uh, charts here at this point, so maybe they're throttling down that offense even more to try to lean on defense because you look at just in the five-game synopsis, at the Bills, three points, Tampa Bay, they scored 20, Miami, they scored 10, Philadelphia, they scored 13, and then they exploded for 20 points against the New Orleans Saints. But at the same time, if you're trying to take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals in a five-game snapshot, a couple of those games being on the road, at Baltimore, lost 19-17, at New Orleans, escaped with a 30-26 to win, which had to steal that game late if you remember a couple nice plays there by Jamar Chase who oh by the way won't be involved in this game and then they played at Cleveland Kevin an absolute clunker 
32 to 13. Rebounded against Carolina 42-21 at home last time they played. Okay, you're supposed to do that. But I got to tell you, like coming into this one, it should be like, well, I'm just going to take the Cincinnati Bengals and see where this game goes because I could trust their offense. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback at this point in his career than Kenny Pickett is. I understand all of that. But the way I look at this game, a slugfest is probably going to turn out here. Let's also keep in mind, we watched this game week one. No idea how the Pittsburgh Steelers actually won the game, but they did because they turned over the Bengals repeatedly and came out a win. Different scenarios, too. Mitchell Trubisky started that game. Now Kenny Pickett's going to start this game overall. It's easy to say, though, that you would just trust Cincinnati more. But I got to tell you, Pittsburgh as a home dog here, if I'm going to get more than a field goal, is probably the right way to go. Just because I don't know what I'm getting out of Cincinnati. They are going to be rested off a bye. But at the same time, they haven't performed all that well on the road. And still without Jamar Chase makes it a little bit tougher. That is, look, Jamar Chase is is obviously very key, but the last time we saw Cincinnati, I know it's Carolina, but they absolutely blitzed that team at 35 in the first half, and Joe Mixon had five total touchdowns. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Cincinnati looks like off of a bye. I don't think I can lay the number with the Bengals because of all of the Tomlin trends at home against the number as a dog, but it's... I also have no business in just blindly backing Tomlin here. It doesn't I'm not I'm not to the point where I'm projecting them for double wins. This is a spot you talk about always, right? Am I going to bet the Steelers plus three and a half, but think they have no chance to win a football game? That's probably yeah. a bad way to go about it here. The line is kind of short enough to factor in. I think that's it's going to I'm also very interested just to kind of see the picket progression here and how that all starts to go. Him being able to win the first start off of a bye. Not that a lot of it was him, but still just to kind of watch uh, that process. Last one here, Ravens-Panthers. Again, Baltimore fitting the description as an AFC contender. Uh, if not for a couple of you know blown leads, they would maybe be the favorites in the AFC. They're not, though. Uh, and they'll be in a battle with Cincinnati for the division uh, if the Bengals are able to handle a, a more difficult schedule, to be honest. Baltimore, you see it here. It's a light schedule for them. It's games like this a lot, it feels, where they're laying 13 to the Carolina Panthers. The Baker Mayfield-led Carolina Panthers. 41 and a half so you're over and under. Any thing jumps off the page here with Baltimore and Carolina? Yeah, does Baltimore get bored in this game? Like, that's my question here. And I know that there's only 17 games in an NFL season, and even if you're coming off bye weeks or whatever, that you're going to be focused. I get it. And you're at home, so your home crowd should help you out. But they're two touchdown favorites here. So you figure the Baltimore Ravens, Kevin, should be able to easily handle their business. Now we're asking Mark Andrews questions during the week. Are you going to be ready for the game? Boy, I sure hope so. But is this one of those games that Mm -hmm. you absolutely need Mark Andrews to come back and maybe risk even more injury to that shoulder that's been giving him a problem? Lamar Jackson is probably good good enough to win this football game overall. But if you're looking at what the Carolina Panthers have done, Again, just take a five-game snapshot here of what we're doing. Now, Baker Mayfield is going to start this game, which is a little bit different than having P.J. Walker, but they lost to the Rams 24-10 to on the road five weeks ago when P.J. Walker was first inserted in there. They beat Tampa Bay 21-3, to which was absolutely amazing. They go on the road and probably should have beat the Atlanta Falcons but end up losing that game in overtime by three points. They get dusted by Cincinnati, which they didn't even show up, but how about? Beating the Atlanta Falcons again, 25 to 15 the week previous here. It's one of those teams that even though Wilkes is the head coach, they're going nowhere. They tend to fight you. Am I crazy enough or am I insane? It should be to actually think I need to take the Carolina Panthers getting to 13 points with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. 
not to say Baker's a market upgrade. He's going to make his knucklehead plays, no doubt about it. But he might be enough as sly as a fox out there to throw a touchdown or two to keep them involved. I don't look at this game as one of those where they show up in that Cincinnati game and are down 35 to nothing. I think this game is going to be a little bit closer, not to say also Baltimore is going to be challenged. They might have a two-touchdown lead all the way through. But if I'm thinking of covering a line, which is what handicappers do, I think Carolina actually can cover this game. I think, look, we've talked about it again. This season, laying double digits has been a nightmare. So in that way, it's already interesting. But can I can I take that logic and pair it towards this total of 41.5 here and start to try and pump up a total uh, over the number? The Ravens should be able to get theirs off of a bye, whether Mark Andrews plays or not, to be honest here. And again, the the Panthers forget P.J. versus Baker. Matt Rule gone. The team just gets a little bit more life to them, and things feel better around Carolina to me. I think Baker, you know, Baker's only chance to play post-Matt Rule era was a half of football against Cincinnati where he threw multiple touchdown passes. So, and that's the thing for for Baker Mayfield, right? He's going to have to just keep on throwing this football no no matter the score line, right? Because if this is a blowout, you you don't want Carolina to turn into hand it off and go home mode, right? Well, for Carolina and Baker Mayfield, Baker can't afford that. Again, Baker is fighting for his status within this league here. And Donnie put me on to this, some, you know, looking around at some, you know, certain things. They're not up just yet on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Baker to throw a touchdown pass. And we've seen that a couple of times this year, right? Guys to throw a singular touchdown. Minus 220, minus 195s, low end. Cat's like a minus 188. Minus 125? On Baker to throw a singular touchdown pass, uh, unless we start to hear real buzz that he could be benched for Sam Darnold yes. in this game, which would be one of the most knuckleheaded decisions an organization could make. How that feels as principal play as any principal play has ever principled. Yeah, and I think you're on to something here too because why I have not already pulled the trigger on that is you just sit back and go, now wait a second here. Is this the ultimate trap at this point where I'm going to see Baker Mayfield and they knew all along that in the red zone, Sam Darnold's coming in because they want to get him some work here for the rest of the season. Like that's the only damaging thing. But if you're saying to me, Baker Mayfield outside of injury, Kevin, and throwing five interceptions in the first half will throw 35 passes over four quarters and they get blown out. Perfect. That means he threw a touchdown pass. seems like too good to be true. Yeah, it's – It's a very, very tempting, very, very tempting number. And just, again, the idea, we'd like to see what Sam Darnold has. Hey, I'll save you some time. Go watch any Carolina game from last year. You'll find that answer real quick. We close out Hour 1 next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Countdown to World Cup 2022 is on. And to continue to help you get ready, here is Kyle Bond talking about the biggest stars and what to watch for at this tournament. Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are two of the greatest players to ever play the game of soccer, and both are likely playing in their final FIFA World Cup. So which one will go out on top of the world? I'm Kyle Bond from the Sporting News with your 2022 World Cup update. At 37 years old and on the tail end of his career, Cristiano Ronaldo is almost surely playing in his final World Cup. He is struggling through poor form and dark clouds, around his club career at Manchester United. But for now, we'll focus on the fifth World Cup of his illustrious career. Ronaldo has scored seven goals in 17 career World Cup games, yet none of those have come in the knockout stage, and almost half that total came in one single game. Ronaldo is plus 1,900 to win the Golden Boot this year, but he's playing on a very defensive team, and Portugal's group is very difficult. Plus, Liverpool forward Diogo Jota is out injured, leaving Ronaldo on an island up front. With all that, this is a recipe for disaster. So let's move on to the GOAT, 35-year-old Lionel Messi, playing also in his fifth career World Cup. And shockingly, like Ronaldo, not a single one of his six career World Cup goals have come in the knockout stage. Yet, Messi's had more success on the team level. He reached the 2014 final with Argentina, only to lose to Germany 1-0 in extra time. But they are poised this year for another deep run. This year could be the one. Messi himself is in great form with PSG, revived from a horrific season last year. Yet that revival is due more to a concentration on chance creation than chance finishing, instead teeing up his teammates Kylian Mbappe and Neymar in front of goal. With Argentina, Messi will combine with Angel Di Maria and Paulo Dybala to tee up striker Lautaro Martinez. So when it comes to the World Cup Golden Boot, Messi at plus 1,100 may not be the right play, but Lautaro Martinez at plus 2,000 could be your window to success. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.